Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 283 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's episode, we're talking about the World Cup that happened last weekend in Holst. Also, we'll talk about Urban Cross Court Trick that happened the day before that. Uh, we'll discuss the Canadian National Championship and you now the return of Tom Pidcock and Matthew Vanderpoel and folks like that. Before we get into the episode, I want to talk about Substack for a second. Hopefully you all know about the CXR's Bulletin, which is our newsletter, and you can find it at cxairs.substack.com. You can also find it now uh, through the app. Substack has an app that they started that's really convenient, and the cool thing about the app, a feature they just added, is that they have chats in there. So now through our our channel, our CXR's bulletin channel, we have set up a, a chat function that uh, just on day one has been great and we've gotten a lot of engagement. Uh, unfortunately, it's for iOS only right now, so Android supposedly is coming soon and then we can get most of you all on there. But if you have an Apple device and want to download that app and uh, you know just uh, hook up your uh, CXR's bulletin subscription to it, you can uh, you can be part of part of that community and, and join in on these chats and start a thread and uh, let us know what you're interested in talking about. Hey, you can complain in there too. Look, I, I found out things that we miss in this show. For instance, we never gave the King's CX Day 2 results, uh, which for the men were Andrew Dillman in first, Brandon Fix in second, and Casey Hildebrand in third. And then on, on that day, your, your women's elite were Carolyn Manny taking the win, Hannah Aronsman in second, and Jenna Lingwood third. So look, we're we're fixing mistakes we made in the past, omissions, and doing it through that Substack chat function. So go download the app, and uh, we'll talk to you over there. All right, well, let's get into it. We got a lot to cover. We got the World Cup court trick. We got Canadian national championships. We got Zach and Michael. It's the Media Pit, episode 283. And we're doing all of it right now. We are back in the media pit. We have, what do we have? We got a World Cup race that took place in the Netherlands with Holst. Had some uh, notable folks back racing. Also, we had Canadian National Championships. Uh, Michael's going to talk about Core Trek for a while. And um, I think that about covers it. But let's uh, let's start... Up north, on the west coast, with Canadian Nationals, and um, what do you guys think? I mean, it's they're all names pretty much that we've heard of, but uh, kind of a change in the guard up there in uh, in Canada. Yeah, I mean, I think my takeaway uh, from this, thinking about what I was going to do for an Instagram post about it, was the future is now uh, for Canadian cycling. I mean, I think. You know, Magalie Rochette was in France, and so she willingly turned over the jersey because she's getting things rolling on her European campaign. But, you know, Michael Vandenham was the guy on the men's side that we were looking at, champion three years in a row. He's been champion for like 17 because they haven't had nationals in forever. So he's had the jersey for a long time. Uh, but there is a there's a lot of talent in Canadian in Canadian cycling and Canadian cyclocross and I mean, it came to it came to fruition throughout the weekend, both races, both days. I mean, both Holmgrens won. Really cool to see. Uh, again, a sweep, a sweep for the Stimulus Orbea team with uh, Ian Ackert winning the junior men's as well. It was funny. They're in in their po- in in the team post, and I feel like I can take some responsibility for that. They were like, "Well, there's been a lot of a." Uh, um, sort of rumblings about how there are too many light blue teams out there. So we're just going to go red and white next year, which I thought was very well played. Well played, man. Those Canadians are, they're witty and fast. Yeah. So I guess we're, we're starting. Let's, uh, let's just start with the men's race. Um, if we rewind to last week, we can, uh, go with, you know, some names and picks we threw out, you know, credit to you, Zach. I think you picked the winner, Tyler Clark. He was your choice. Uh, I threw one at DeSera. I was like, you never know when a DeSera is going to show up. Quentin Q shows up, gets second. Uh, Michael, how'd Jeff Kabush do? 
I, you know, I'm scrolling down. There's a lot of Canadians on this list, but I don't see any Jeff. All right. So I missed that one, but maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year. <laughs> I do have to say, I mean, this is what you come to the, the media pit for. Bill called it, you know, we're, we're, te- we're texting each other following, you know, Canadian cyclists. They did a great job live tweeting uh, the race, bringing us some coverage and Bill just jumps in. He's like, I told you there'd be a disorder there. And folks, that is, that is what, that's what you listen to the media pit for. And that's what you come for is just that level of knowledge of cyclocross. Looking at the looking at the top five, all even the top six, I'd say top six, all guys that we've seen in the last month a lot. You know, uh, Brody Sanderson has been sticking his nose near the front of all of these races. We saw Tyler Orschel fighting it out with Kerry Werner down in North Carolina and Tobin Ortenblad uh, last weekend. You know, we all know Vandenham. We all know he's he's the guy that's had the jersey. Gunnar Holmgren, another you know strong mountain biker, uh, had him as as one of the potential favorites. Did really well. Pan Am's really well in that Northeast stint. Uh, yeah, Quentin's kind of the outlier, but strong mountain biker. If he shows up, you know, that, that, that's the fun thing about Canadian nationals. You're always going to get these mountain bikers that kind of just show up on a lark and, and race cyclocross. And, uh, yeah, Tyler Clark, who I think we, we had him in the heat check early on. He's been there all season, has put in the time and, um, took it by 20 seconds. You know, we don't, we don't know much about how it went down. Well, you do Zach actually. I shouldn't say that. You interviewed him. You talked about to him. How was well, how was your conversation with Tyler? Uh, it was great. I mean, I love talking to Canadians. I mean, you know, he not as much of a, you know, don't you know, but definitely get those sneaking in there. Uh, but yeah, really cool. I, you know, one thing that I think was interesting about him is you're kind of, he's a name that we know and we saw him race the UXCX early on. And I think he was finishing about 10th, 10th to 12th or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then Pan Ams comes and you're just like, Oh, there's there's Tyler Clark mixing it up. I mean, he finished I think sixth, seventh, sixth, sixth, or something like that. And on Sunday, he was, I mean, he was on the front for multiple laps in Sunday's race at Pan Am's. And so talking to him, I, I think Bill, it's it's kind of that thing you know that you've talked about with the mountain biking, just so much mountain biking, and he really just need time off. You know, I was like, was it mental or physical? He's like, dude, I just needed a break. And you know, he was able to come into Falmouth and really get some confidence. And I think for him. It was huge being able, especially that like Pan Am's ride and then Sunday to be like, wait, I can, I can win. I can win nationals. Uh, so, you know, interesting for him that it's just a little bit of mental and physical. Uh, Cause a lot of times we talk about how we're, it's, oh, it's all in my head for him. He's like, no, literally I just, I need a break. <laughs> so my, my biggest question, and hopefully you were able to get some insight on this. So the, uh, the Clarks, and then actually it's a pretty big squad. So CHC Armada, uh, it, the the CHC Armada kits look like um, they they might be uh, first line, second line, third line in there. Definitely have a hockey sweater vibe to them, all the way down to the names and the numbers on the back of the sweaters. So, did you get the the intel? Will there be? numbers on the back of the Canadian national championship Jersey. I was told yes. So yes. So my question, you know, I was, I was like two questions, you know, I got the download. It is hockey related. They played hockey. Owen was quite good. He actually gave up uh, a hockey career uh, as an up and coming young writer. I think he's a young hockey player. And, you know, I was, I was proposing to him, like, is hockey the new soccer? Like, is, is hockey going to be to a North American cyclocross what soccer is to the Dutch? And I hope that it is. But yeah, so I was like, do you get one? Do you get 22 for the year that you won? He's like, no, sticking with 44. So uh, I guess Owen has already been on the Photoshop, on, you know, on Adobe, working on the design. So I'm guessing next year we'll see a number and we'll see a kit as long as Canadian Cycling says it's okay. That's amazing. Chad Brown, shots fired. I expect I expect the uh, CHC Armada to get Waterloo Hockey Club invites for uh, for Trek next year, and that's 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 what I want to see. I want to I want to see a, a Canadian v the world uh, hockey hockey game at a, at at the Trek World Cup. I gotta ask just because I don't I don't know anything about hockey, and so numbers in hockey. Is there any rhyme or reason to you know one of the one of the brothers is ninety three? 
You know, I know I think of football, 93 is a defensive lineman. You've got Clark, he's 40, the other player, he's 44. That's maybe a fullback, maybe a linebacker. Other Clark is 17. That's like, you know, a quarterback, maybe a safety wide receiver. Is there, did anybody know? Is there a rhyme or reason to these numbers? Do these numbers also go to their position when they played hockey? Nines are important. Okay. I'm sure that. I'm sure there are bigger hockey fans that can give you more insight. So I just did a quick Google. The uh, the the foremost 93 in hockey is Doug Gilmore. So I don't. Oh wow! All right. So he was. These guys are they are the Clarks from Toronto? Uh, just north of Toronto. I was informed he was okay. like he he was. I asked you know Tyler where are you from? He's like hour north of Toronto or just north of Toronto. And I was like great. I know where Toronto is. So is is Owen like a little enforcer guy? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe uh, we'll yeah, have to. Right. I, they did finish sixth, seventh, I think, or they finished two right next to each other in one of the races in uh, in um, Falmouth. So maybe. All right, amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, the hockey media. We needed to call Tim for this short bit. He's gonna be like, "You guys got it all wrong." Uh, <laughs> I mean, you had a, you had to text him with a wrestling question and now we got hockey. You know, the, he, we're he, just, he didn't answer my wrestling question. So I can't, I can't drop my wrestling reference on the podcast today. I think it was close. I think, yeah, I don't know what the name, but I think, I think you were in the right direction. All right. Uh, women's elite. So we had Jen Jackson, you know, talk about people just sort of showing up on a, on a lark to race Jen Jackson's racing, Ruby West racing, I think, you know, now track cyclist racing, uh, first cyclocross of the year. And then Ava Holmgren, who kind of gave me the little heads up at Pan Am's. And I think this was after Magley's decision that she wasn't racing. And I think they actually talked about this. She was thinking about throwing her hat into the elite field, but wasn't sure if the Canadian Federation was going to allow her, I guess in the past, they've been pretty strict about juniors and even U 23s racing up. She's 17 years old, but, uh, they gave her the green light and, um, Zach, she went out there and won herself a national championship. She did. Uh, I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds like Jen raced pretty well. I mean, I think that, you know, jumping in, she was racing locally. I think that in a more perfect world where funding existed for it, she would race cross. I mean, she is co-host of the Canuck Crosscast, and you talk to her. She just she loves cyclocross, so I, it was good to see her back for you know, albeit for for two races or whatever, you know. And it's cool that she's been able to still find the love of the sport racing locally. But I, I mean, Ava Holmgren, though, I mean, what a superstar! I just. You know, talk about the future being bright and everything that we've seen from her. I mean, she nearly won on day one of know-how. She won the junior race at um, at the Pan American Championship. She finished third in the World Cup at Tabor. Uh, you know, I, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, Bill, you've been working with that team. I mean, I just know her as she's a superstar and I think is really the future of the sport here in North America. Her, her and her sister are both super strong racers. That team is like really low key, fun, fun to be around, but you know, serious about about the racing. And uh, top tens at Copenburg Cross for both sisters, and I think it was Mas Mechlin that she was on the podium. And uh, yeah, huge, huge deal. And I think more to come. It's going to be. She's gonna definitely one to watch come. World Championships, and and now with this uh, elite, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, she's, I, it, the the one thing about where she's at and where cycling is on the women's side, at least she will be able to wear her jersey during races next year because it will be elite race, and she, even no matter what category she's going to be in, she's going to be racing with the elites. But uh, Sandra Walter also one worth talking about. Um, Another mountain biker uh, just shows up for uh, national championships. That's basically her cyclocross. I think I think she did Pan Ams when it was in uh, Canada as well, but uh, pulling down a second place. So really nice uh, result for her. So they had a C2 on Sunday, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, Isabella won that race. So I guess my question, do they have an agreement? Is there, is there, are there deals being made among, among the sisters? Like, Hey, I got, I got this, you know, your turn, that kind of thing. I, <laughs> Uh, I, mm, 
they may work for each other at points. I, I will say that. But they also race each other. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, but it's a nice it's a nice position to be in. I was going to say, two pretty guard. Either way, you have a great teammate. Either way. Like, you have, you know, a phenomenal teammate. It's hard not to look at this results sheet and just look at echoes of what's happening in Europe right now. Um, that when we, I mean, just considering Ava almost won, no ho, and then she's 17 and just what what that's going to look like at the domestic i mean if we get her racing more her and isabella racing more you know u.s cross what the front of the field is going to look like it's going to look like femme and puck and sheeran over in europe i don't think they're alone i think there are a lot of american women of the same age that are going to be up there domestically as well. I think that there are 15 and 16 year old women out there that we've seen this year who are going to be up there. You know, it's some, some of it's like crazy that they're too young to even race juniors. But I, I I think that is a, I will say that looking at the junior field and maybe just cause I'm, you know, keeping a closer eye to it more than I have in the past, just with the Devo team and everything else. But looking at some of the talent that's coming up, I really think that we are going to have a huge youth movement and these elite fields are going to get a lot younger and a lot faster soon. I agree 100%. I think if you just look across the board, I mean, AJ August won Copenberg. He won the junior race in Copenberg. I mean, Strohmeyer had a sixth place finish in a World Cup. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, to, to go there, I mean, the key is finding a way to get these riders money and to keep them in cyclocross. I mean, I think there's a huge opportunity for the sport um, going forward, but we're seeing more and more where you talk to every athlete and they're like, it is increasingly harder, if not impossible for me to get money to do cyclocross. And so, you know, we have a great Devo structure. There's so many good Devo programs. And I think, Bill, you've joked, it's better to be better to be 19 racing cyclocross in America than being even like a national champion elite. So hopefully we can find some way to to continue that funding structure to keep some of these athletes in the sport and get North American athletes who are representing both here domestically to grow the sport, but also to get those good results in Europe that they've shown they're capable of doing. It's also the, the, the thing, you know, and I know we're getting off track from the racing, but I think that it's something that we look at on our Devo team and the riders who are racing. The goal doesn't isn't necessarily to produce future cyclocross stars it's it's kind of to give the opportunity to have success in cycling if you choose to do that in the future it may be in a different discipline but the the lessons that you can learn the skills that you can gain the racing experience that you can gain are so are just portable to any discipline that you choose if you are if and it's such an easy way to get that experience fast in cyclocross. So if you excel in this sport and are able to do that in, on the road, you know, early example, Joe Dombrowski, guys like that, and move it into a career on the road, I'm, I'm happy about that. That's a, that's a good result. That's somebody who has come through a cyclocross program and has succeeded. Yeah, it's, it, it, yes, it would be awesome to keep these athletes in the sport. Hopefully they'll come back and race some, but it doesn't have to necessarily be the ultimate goal. And that's, that's kind of, that's kind of like a mind shift that I've gone through in the last couple seasons. So that's a, that's part of it too. But and I and I think that's that's what we're seeing. That's kind of the talent. You know, we got the Nike out there, which is awesome. That's one level. But I think that cyclocross is somewhere where you can really have healthy just razor's edge competition week in and week out. And it's short races and 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 that's um that's really useful for for learning how to win and progressing in whatever discipline you want to do. Should we talk about some racing? Can we do Courtright Corner? Let's do Courtright Courtright Corner. I, I was I was I was reaching for a pun, but I didn't have any. Um, Courtright Corner, one of my favorite races. Um, the famous Urban Cross in Courtright, and they flipped the course around this year. I think I'm trying to think the things that made it that made 
that race different maybe was a shorter sprint last corner to the finish line was a bit shorter you did a u-turn into the finish as opposed to a sort of a long build-up sprint which as we see in the women's race maybe changed it but maybe not um i mean that that used to be the longest sprint in cyclocross right right? i mean that was like a legit road sprint in the like totally road sprint on the yeah and the cd course yeah good point bill and this was this was you're doing a u-turn very much cross um but yeah voss is back so we had you know she dropped she did race one weekend didn't do well maybe was over ice it and then decided not to race and she came back for this race you know what i don't blame her Uh, for someone her sort of skill set her power it kind of makes sense you can punch out of the corners a lot of pavement um but you know the, my big thing was, or my sort of big tweet of the day, I actually went and rode my bike this weekend a lot. So, um, But Betsima was on the front. It was Betsima. It was Voss. It was Alvarado doing the dangling job. And it was just it was just Betsima for like five laps on the front, just driving. And Voss literally sit, not to put her nose in the wind at all. And then, you know, it, and at the end, what happened actually was, is that Alvarado finally... You know, she was dangling, she was there, she would get dropped, but she finally made it, and then she made a move. In the last lap, she had she kind of attacked. Uh, Voss got on her wheel. They go to the final turn. Um, Voss sits on her wheel, and she outsprints her and wins. You, you knew that was coming. But, you know, Alvarado did sort of take it to Voss, tried something. Uh, I don't know, she might have been, t- she, like, Watching the way she was racing, she seemed very tired, and she seemed like it was so hard to get onto that wheel. Couldn't quite punch out of the corners like Betsema and Voss. But when she finally did, she made a move. My big critique was Betsema, who just did the sort of the same thing she always does. And, you know, the result didn't change. Like, if those three are racing together, you always pick Betsema in third. And so she just goes to the front and does the thing. And it, it, nothing, nothing happens. Nothing changes for her. She doesn't advance. She doesn't like learn something. And I tweeted out that you know, surprised that Betsima didn't win by dragging around Voss in front of the pod. Jan made a good point that what else could she do really? Because she can't out sprint them both. I agree with that. And then also that she's racing for the overall. Um, yes, she is racing for the overall. But if you look, no one who was above her in the overall in this series, X two O was at this race. She was going to be in the overall anyway. So all, all I want to see Betsima do in the situation is they go through the start-finish line, and she flicks Voss through. Make the world champion, the multi-time world champion, do something. Like, she might go to the front, and she might drop you. But at least, like, you're... Like, she's saving energy. Here comes Alvarado. And she can outspin Alvarado. But, like, maybe she... Maybe she goes to the front. She's scared of Alvarado to come chase her down. She makes a bobble. Betsima goes around her. I don't know. I've been ranting on my Koitrick corner, but that was my big hot take. Zach? Well, I mean, does Voss have some sort of magic powers that she just gets riders to just tow her around? Because Brand did the same thing at the World Championships. It's just like, what does she do? Like, like, does she just stare them down when they're like, oh, you should come do work? And she's just like some sort of force field? I... Right. It's just, it's interesting that no one, you know, it's like, yeah, it was like, like in the, the USCX races when, when Curtis was like, why are you working for Vincent? Right? Like, why are you working for Vincent? Why are you doing work for Voss? Like, what's your plan? Do they, do they not respect Voss's skills? Is it something where nobody wants to be behind her? <sighs> that, Bill, not a bad point. I mean, we know Voss to be a very powerful rider. Um, hell of a sprint right um when you think of technical cross riders like very gifted i think of like puck peters and and alvarado not necessarily ross but i still once again i think i think there's a way i mean there's a lot of road in this course like cat and mouse it man you know you've got two laps to go cat and mouse it to start finish mix it up a bit make something change just well that's that's i mean one of the things that voss has going for her is that she has the uh, advantage of being able to make a mistake and still catch back on. You know, that's like, I think, I think that gets into the head of these riders where they're like, 
you know, she, look, she's, you know, she's won more world championships than anybody. I'm not criticizing how she rides, but I think there are more technically proficient riders out there, and maybe they think that their chances in the more technical sections are better. And that, and and Mariana Voss is probably like, sweet, think that of me, cool drag me around because you don't want to be behind me more than happy to be here, especially on this super long, you know, road sweat switches. But yeah, I think you're right. You gotta, you gotta try something different, but you know, also, also maybe, you know, as Jan said, maybe it's just tactical. Maybe the wind doesn't matter. Maybe the overall series does. So she's still going to get those points and Mariana, you know, you look, she's only raced six times this year. She's not really going to be a factor in any of these series. Right. And, and my sort of additional to that point is that like Betsima, she's got one win this year, right? She's really sort of not been able to do anything against the, the trio of youngsters. And so this, they're not racing this race. So this is actually an opportunity for her to, to, to try something different as opposed to just going to the front. Cause like her ta- her, that's her attack is go to the front, ride fast and, and whittle it down and then win, which does not work when you have puck femme uh sheeran even brand really like those and an alvarado the last two years who wasn't 100 but now they're all there like her her, her skill set is not quite at the peak to make wins and so she's got to like this was an opportunity where she could have done something a little bit different tried something maybe got a win maybe got third anyway I mean, I, I think it's funny. I think because of, you know, the thing, we've devoted so much time to analyzing Betsima's riding, uh, <laughs> probably more than we really should. But, you know, Michael, yeah. I think this has been, we saw this last year, like she couldn't do her thing. She had that one year where she did it. And I guess I just think about how she was really upset at Ostenda, right? Because she was off the front and Brand came back and catch her, caught her and she finished third. And it's, you know, in retrospect, maybe at that time, she just was really angry about the result. Maybe she knew that that was like her one shot, right? It's just, it's interesting that so much can happen in cyclocross and we see riders like Vanderpool and Van Aert and Voss that are at the top. And, but we can see that there's moments like you might have a season, right? Like your, right. your shot, your, literally it's the Eminem song, you know, you get your one shot uh, to do it. And I think for her, it was that pandemic season. She had, uh, a methodology of of going out and just doing the you know going out hard, getting a gap and riding it through, and she won a number of races that year, and she darn near won the world championships doing it. But how does she win? I mean, even against even against the the old JV squad, right? If we're calling that for the the ones who are racing in these series races, it's the the elder statesmen or whatever we want to call them. She doesn't have a way to win against that against them now either. Should we move on to the race with the full roster? <laughs> the varsity showing up. Uh, so, Michael, um, yeah. first place, Pidcock getting his mojo, getting the win in the in the rainbow. Look pretty good. You look like a world champion. That was my sort of note on Koitrick was this is the return of the world champions who came back and did Vossed a world champion sprint. And uh, Tom Pickock did a world champion race just all around. And I was thinking, watching Sunday's race, like, it is fun to watch Pidcock come back. And Zach, you've mentioned this, that he sort of give, he gives you a narrative, right? He doesn't just come right back into it. Wham, bam, thank you, man. He sort of builds up the suspense. And then he comes out on uh, on Saturday at Koitrick and races like he's, like he's the world champion. He races, you know, two heads above the rest of the field. He's just that much better. And I will, you know, Lars and LA kept him honest. You know, it was it was never more than 10 seconds, but he he was such in control in this race. Uh, he was punching out of every corner. It was like, you're like, oh yeah, that's why that guy is the world champion. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's the same crew that he he beat in uh, Fayetteville. So, you know, Vanderhaar again second here. Ailey Ezer beat third. Van Torn out yeah. Fourth. Um, really quickly, because this is going to go into Holst as well. After kind of a whatever, well, actually not even. He's always been doing it. You're in Newhouse. Looks like the pickup of the like the transfer of the of of the season, right? I mean, they, they, there's not a better pickup out there. The the guy's starting to. He's like the number two option on the on the Lions at this point already. 
Yeah, I agree, Bill. I mean, he's he's like surfing that wide angle podium zone. He's he's up in the mix. He's racing strong. He, you know, not quite the replacement for Tone, but I mean, like you said, solid solid transfer. I mean, I I, I you feels like he's getting better. Like the way we're racing, he's like super strong. You know, he's got the beard. Like technically he's good what else do you like what else can you ask for it's another little hockey tie-in you know with the beard it could be just the whole season is the playoffs for our guy (laughs) the one the one thing with him and i guess it's just because of his um progression in the sport and you know not necessarily full-time cross all all the time if you had if you had told me before i just looked that he's older than ailey Ezerbeat, i would have said absolutely not but he is. He's 26. Right. He's not, not a kid. Yeah, I always forget how young Ellie is. He, he seems like a mature old man. Oh, I remember. Yeah, because he won Worlds in 2017. And that was back in the day when you kind of had to watch it live. And I remember having to get up at four in the morning to do a race report for that race and then going back to bed uh, because there was no that's when there weren't the consecutive races and then waking up for the elite race. So, yes, I do. Do you remember that? Like former world champion, U23 world champ. Uh, I'll just throw it out there too while we're doing Jens Adams. Nice weekend too. Two sixth place finishes yeah. for him. Good to see uh, Europe's favorite privateer doing well as well. Yeah. Should we uh, move on over to the Netherlands and talk about windmill cross? I'd love to. Start with the women. Let's start. Uh, I don't. But I, I don't know where 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 to start. Zach, where do we start with this? Well, I mean, my 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 initial takeaway, you know, Bill, I, I posed this question last week. Does Puck uh, take her win last weekend? Is that game film? Is that, you know, is she hitting the, the game film and going back and sitting? And I don't know what people do when they watch game film and being like, this is a good way to win. And she starts like a, a banshee. I mean, she fast start, got a gap early on. And I guess from the initial get-go, my takeaway was like, I think she's kind of honing in on a strategy that kind of works for her right now. My, my takeaway is what I said yesterday, or sorry, last show, is that once again, I mean, Holst is a unique course, right? We got to talk about Holst because those those embankments, the the part of the star for it, they're so steep and they're so big. Um and so, and then also we had, once again, the, you know, winter is here. The, the, the Benelux weather cross that we've known is, is here finally. It's no longer dry and fast. It is, it is a slog. It's slippery. And you add in those elements of the court of the, of the, of Holst, the levees or whatever you want to call those walls, fortification walls. And like, it is so much the course for Puck's technical ability, just it was really apparent. I mean, like, even Femme is good, but, like, Femme really had to risk it to stay with Puck. And she kind of, you know, high risk, high reward. And, unfortunately, it didn't work out for her. But just just watching the way Puck rode that course, yeah, like, this, this is her. This is all her. Like, if we have conditions like this and courses like this, she's going to run the board. This, is, this course is interesting. I mean, this is... I saw this course. It's host last year was in January. It was, uh, yeah, right after New Year's. And I don't know if it was maybe colder and the ground was harder and it was, it, it was, you know, wetter and, and just so much more dangerous this year. Uh, it's, it, it was the type of thing like we were, I was walking around it last year going, oh man, if this was muddy, it would be crazy. And it was like just enough of that mud, like the, the, the descent off of the windmill. Yes. The windmill where, drop. you know, we saw Yara Castline just get almost decapitated by her teammate because she crashed down there and she wasn't alone. Tons of people crashed down there. There's one post that there certainly, you know, if there was ever a, a, an argument to bring back the bouncy castle barriers, this, this is it because there was a really dangerous post at the bottom of that, that one of the women ran right into and it's just like it's so fast and then just into a left-hand turn and yeah you were talking about it michael with those top two it's really interesting because you look at femme and you look at the way that she just you know sends it you know full gas down those like without a care in the world and you're like what well okay her skills look better than 
pucks, right? I mean, it looks like she's just got better skills there, but she makes more mistakes. And again, and I don't want to compare to them to men, but I'm going to, it's kind of that we're, we're still seeing kind of that Wout and Vanderpool comparison where it's almost like Puck's a little more conservative, but a little safer, but just doesn't make mistakes and is able to, you know, get in there and get those wins where Femme is like, you know, almost Vanderpool-esque where just like, I can do anything out here. And sometimes it, it gets her. Good, bad comparison. I like it. I mean, just it's. I just want to say smooth is fast, right? So like if you stay on your bike a little bit faster, although they both crashed a bunch of times there yeah. was a lot oh, yeah. of- no it wasn't it wasn't like anybody had a clean it was it was almost like the 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 you know the cyclocross thing who crashes less or even who recovers best from your crash is going to win i saw a lot of tin cupping out there where riders seeming to like trying the same line and crashing again and again but like i must dial in this line like i know this line can work and it was like i didn't know where you were going with this reference and i love it <laughs> It was just Puck who kept trying to... It was like that that downhill right turn at the camera, and Puck kept crashing at the bottom. I think it's where Femme ended her race, basically. And, like, she just kept trying the same line every time and kept crashing. It's like, all right, Tin Cup. <laughs> Anything to add there, Zach? No, I think you guys... I think you guys summed it up uh, pretty well there. Um, you know, to continue, with the, to continue with, with the bit, I mean, now somewhere there's a, a three-week-old... In, in the Netherlands, wondering, wondering if Femme Van Ampel will ever <laughs> win, a, win a cyclocross race again. Sheeran Van Enroy, the dangler. Is, is she officially the dangler now? Even yeah. Even she got that one one race. Is it looking like more and more? Do we, do we have to... Um, do we have to retroactively maybe, uh, I wouldn't say apologize, but give some more credit to Marty and Powers who just kept talking about... Um, Femme and Puck as Sheeran was riding away from them because it looked like they were just concentrating on each other. Maybe maybe more of the case. Maybe uh, Van Anroy will be able to take advantage of that in the future. Uh, what else? Alvarado just, just seems like just cursed with just bad luck and just not, not getting a clean ride, you know? It'd be, Rough it'd be nice day. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, like you saw her. I mean, I don't know. I was thinking a lot, like I kind of have to give props to some of these riders because that seems like such a tough course and just the ability to continue on after mishap and mishap, like on a course like this, a course like this has to be super frustrating. And it's like, because you're never quite riding as smooth as you want to. And you, and you could see it with Alvarado that she kept little bobbles, little mistakes. And like, I don't know, but she kept going. So like, I, I, you know, I give it up to her for like continuing on and, and still plugging away best of the rest. I mean, like she's there fourth place, uh, to brand, uh, on the comeback. I just, uh, they talked about it on the, on the, the feed, you know, she's recovering from a hand injury, you know, maybe a little bit timid, but not a hundred percent. Like, this course is brand's strong point. So I kind of feel like this is a fairly good race for her nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it'll be interesting to see what brand does for the rest of the season. Zach, he's back. I guess so. Uh, I, but it was a journey. I mean, at least for, you know, if Pidcock provides us with narratives uh, over the course of, a couple weeks like Vanderpool provided over the course of four laps uh really before <laughs> he he reminded us that he um i mean it's it, so when so when we were talking about his slow starts coming to the season it was more of like a, a micro slow start it wasn't like over a number of races it was just like within one race he was like figuring out how to race again uh to be fair i mean he struggled like i mean he struggled for some of those wins a few years ago but uh he did not start slow i mean my god the start like uh, and that's just like Vanderpool brilliance. I mean, we're, I, I was trying to count how many guys he passed on that right-hand turn, and I think it was a minimum of an entire row of the course. And that was so 
That was so good. But and it was right because like everyone kind of lines up, just waiting their turn, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to cut this corner. You guys are leaving the door wide open. I'm just going to go right in and barge my way in there." And uh, was a huge move. But I mean, there was definitely that moment. I don't know about you guys, where you know he he made the move, he crashed, and then he he was 17 seconds back after two laps, and it was just like, oh is this 2021 all over again, right? Because we saw where he just struggled and wasn't himself. And then he was just like, I'm going to just, I'm with a group and whatever. I'm just going to go catch the the guys at the, at the front. So I, for me, it just was a quick journey of a, a massive turnaround and kind of like a really indication that I think we're going to see pretty good, pretty darn good Vanderpool this year. Yeah. You know, and early in his career, he had the reputation of, if something like that happened, a mishap, if he crashed, whatever, it was just like he'd get frustrated and he'd kind of quit on the race and just, you know, be done with it. And then I think it was – was it, I'm, I'm blanking on the race that he just uh, yard sailed on the flyover in lap one and was like dead last a couple seasons ago and then yeah. just – and that, I think that was kind of like at that time we were talking about the first indication of like, okay, this is a new Vanderpool. This is like a guy who now sees this as a challenge to get back up there, pass everybody, ended up winning the race, which was completely nuts. A little similar to this, you know, on Sunday where he's like, all right, things didn't go the way I planned. It had that bad crash where he just stuffed it and just kind of kept with it and it's nice to be the fastest guy out there and he's able to work his way back up to the front. And, um, it was nice, you know, at least for a little while to, to see a little, uh, Pitcock Vanderpool battle going on. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting on, I, I it's like where it happened too, like th- that little riser. It was weird. Cause it wasn't a straight run up. You had to like keep your momentum over a little hump and then go up. And I mean, at least when Vanderpool kind of took the lead, uh, Pitcock didn't ride it that time, but, uh, it also, to me, was kind of like the return of the five-minute Matthew Vanderpool attack. I mean, he was just, uh, you know, it's not like where he pulls away right away, but he just he rides that that VO two for you know five minutes, and Pitcock hung in there, and he was kind of in there, and then the the laps over, and you're like, oh, oh, Pitcock isn't he's not coming back. Um, so it was just to me, it was kind of like the return to of like those just withering attacks that he really just demoralizes people with. You know, it was good to see, well, good. Uh, yeah, it was good to see, actually. So I was a bit worried, though, about Vanderpool coming back because he was even honest about it in a pre-race interview. I mean, even the team released this quote where he was like, yeah, I still have back issues. Like, my back still hurts. And so looking at the kind of course that Holst is, it's it's a very intensive, like, you know, grind it out. And so I was like, okay, well, is like he crashed a few times too, right? Like, he kind of endoed over his bar. So it's like you were, I was a little bit like, Ooh, you know, is this like, is he going to like, like you said, Zach, is he going to like, that's going to be, it's going to be Zolder all over again. Um, and he's just at the back, but like for him to ride that well, you know, towards the end at this course is encouraging for the Vanderpool fans for, for, for him sticking around or, or at least having good results and not hurting himself. Um, and also, you know, looking at the way it was, you know, it was like four laps where it almost looked like it was going to be a repeat of Saturday with Pidcock, who was just like kind of like already off the front riding super strong. So, you know, I was thinking once again about when these riders come back into the field and sort of like we sort of had this mentality where we had this mentality of like, you know, OK, now they're here. Now the season starts or like. Is it com- only like real cross and Vanderpool is there? But it's like I have to kind of change my mindset. It's really just sort of a, a, a different sort of like tapestry of like the season and sort of like the ebbs and flows and the, and the players can come in and out as many as they want. But as long as you have that good racing, it's like a really it's a pleasure to watch. And I think we, we've got that with them both. We had Pitcock on Saturday and then we had Pitcock and Vanderpool and then Vanderpool wins on Sunday. And it's sort of. It was enjoyable. I I was happy for them coming back and I wasn't like, oh, that's it. You know, like, let's forget about the other guys because we still had the good story of Sweek, you know, being able to take over the leader's jersey in the World Cup. So it was it was it was a good mix of all the storylines we've had this season. 
Well, so everyone was talking about how jazz they were about Holst and all that. Uh, were these were these actually really good races? I mean, both of them were over halfway in. I mean, it was a good couple laps in each of them. I don't. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, my takeaway is that Vanderpool. I mean, Pitcock is clearly not on Vanderpool's level. I mean, Vanderpool, the way he came back and just dominated that race, and I don't know if Wout's going to be on his level. I think that if he keeps racing like this, I saw a rider who. <laughs> won a lot of races in a row. Um, so just kind of, kind of interesting. I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I mean, it was good couple laps. They were dynamic couple yeah. laps, but they weren't good races start to finish. No, but I think they were good races in that we saw that excitement. And at least for that, that time being, it, it, it's almost the, the world cup, you know, and you gotta, you, you have to appreciate the, 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 the excitement when it happens. Um, but of course there's not the same tension at the end cause you already know the outcome. Uh, but the one thing I, w- I was going to note with Pitcock who had that, who tacoed his wheel, um, in, oh, in yeah. the last lap. And, and at first I was gonna say, well, I'm glad that happened when it did because it was we, we, you knew he wasn't catching back on, you know, it was like, he was, he was out of this race. So it was like, okay, well, the, the excuses can't be made that, you know, other than that, that, um, right after the pits, just destroying his wheel, maybe he would have had a chance to win it. And then part of me is like, oh, maybe that would have been better if he had done it earlier. And then we still wouldn't know for another, another week if he, if maybe he could have stayed on. And, uh, I did like, I, it was great to see, uh, the inside of Tom Pidcock's brain after he had that wheel destroyed and he started and he got up and he was like, I'm a cyclocross racer. I had this mechanical, I'm putting this bike on my shoulder and I'm sprinting to the pits. And he got, and he, the, he was about a minute past the pits and he got about a hundred meters down the road. And he was like, I'm not racing for a series. I'm not getting any points here. I'm turning left and I'm getting the hell off of this course. But it was so great because he started off just like sprinting and then he was walking and then he was thinking about it. <laughs> and then he may have even looked at his watch and then he was just like, I'm done, guys. Where's the beer stand? I, it almost looked like there were like fans yelling at him too because he almost didn't he just like stop and kind of like I, it looked to me like he, he was kind of like looking around, yeah. like looking at yeah. fans and like. Cause I, I think he was getting his bearings. I, I truly think he was getting his bearings on the course about where he could get off that it would be the easiest to walk back <laughs> to the bus. <laughs> and that that was kind of his mindset after he was like, what the hell am I running for? I don't need to be in this. I'm only doing like a handful of races. This doesn't mean anything right now. So I was actually wondering, and I want to ask you guys, and I think maybe now I know your opinion, Bill, but should should Pitters have tried to finish the race? Is there something about to you know, what he, end? He's wearing the world championship to, to, for the for the for the love of the sport. Yes, he's wearing the world championship jersey. Like it's it's cyclocross. When your bike breaks, you continue on. Like you don't just quit. I mean, you I don't can, have to. No, you can quit. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have I have raged quick cross races before, and it's been lovely. Where you just you just go over the tape. Ride to the parking lot, get in your car, and drive away. You don't say goodbye don't to your think, friends. I think I think this was a more a more like I don't need to kill myself here. I'm going to do some more races. Uh, I, you know, I know I'm a runner who can do four minute miles. That's but what this I'm, was not yes. on the plan for today. Yeah, right. Like that's the thing. I was thinking about that. He's a runner, right? So like, take off your cleats and run, buddy. I mean, so maybe this is just like the narrative that I constructed, that I've constructed. So, I mean, I know I've heard stories of him like uh, pout quitting before and being a little bit petulant when he was younger. I mean, he's still very young. And so I, the the narrative that I created, that there was some fan being like, you can't quit or whatever. And he's like, oh, I got to like represent and, you know, this is this historical image that people might have of me. And then he then he was like, why? <laughs> To me, that, that that to me, I maybe I'm just constructing this. This this is the Tom Pickcock narrative. I actually 100% agree with the one that you told Bill, but this is the one that I constructed in my head of like reconsidering it and then being like, why am I doing this? Um, I mean, there was there was no point. Like, it, it's a professional sport, and at that point, you make a professional decision. You know, if if he was right by the pit and did that, 
that's another story, but you know, he was finishing way back in that field, you know, I mean, guys were already passing him during his little, his little jog. So I don't know. I'm kind of with it. I think a lot of people would have done the same thing. And we've seen every top rider do something similar when they're just done or their bikes broken or whatever. I mean, it's just like, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, my, my favorite one, I think it was Martin Bina at Neil when they, they used to have all of the, um, when it was Home Depot cross and they, they had all the pallets of, you know, concrete or dirt or whatever it was. And he like had this catastrophic malfunction in there and then couldn't get out <laughs> because it was just like this, this, this tunnels of pallets. And he actually ended up like throwing his bike over and climbing over the pallets. That's, it was like, I want to quit. I, the course won't let me. So that was, that was, <laughs> that was my favorite for that. But okay. I, I know yes. we also don't necessarily do broadcast corner too often, but I, I thought it was pretty sweet having Jan Stecker on, on the broadcast because he was like, I'm going to literally explain to you why his wheel exploded. And he was like, you know, he slid this way. He hit it, you know, kind of, he hit that path and he just knew exactly what had happened. And he just did it in a very matter of fact way. He's like, I know exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you. Uh, I've just really appreciated. I mean, I think that like his depth of knowledge and having raced the sport. And I think we've talked about to his um, object objectivity uh, to the sport has just been awesome. And it was like, it's, it's super enjoyable to like get that level of insight of why a guy exploded his carbon wheel. And I really appreciated it. I was watching flow. So I guess I didn't get that because I was like, how the hell did his rear wheel break when it seemed like he hit the front wheel on the post? So, okay. Uh, there was also, I mean, we got a comment like, is this, is this, this reminds me of when Hyde cracked his wheel at Reno at the end of Reno Nats. And everyone's like, ah, like zip sucks and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, did you see Hyde riding like 12 PSI in the way that he rode? And, you know, like people were defending. So is this an Ineos problem? Yeah. Yes. Somebody was commenting with uh, PFP's problem and now Pidcock's problem. I... I <laughs> I mean, it's an Ineos problem because their riders are destroying equipment. Uh, but is it <laughs> where that blame lies? I, I I don't know. I mean, it's a craftsman in his tools, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? How is it the team's fault that he slid into a path and cracked That's his carbon exactly, rim? Like, exactly how is that right. the team's right. fault? So, so maybe we, let's just unspool this conspiracy thread. So maybe the reason he didn't want to, he couldn't go to the pit with the with the bike and he had to just leave and, and jump in the caravan and go home actually he rode home with his brother joe um was that it was like it was off-brand wheel and he had he couldn't like go into the material post with the wrong wheel that's my there we go let's play with that okay well while everybody chews on that i am going to ask you all this is this is my new bit who's the best cyclocross racer in the world michael puck Zach. I mean, I have to be a contrarian in some capacity, right? Uh, going with Vanderpool. He's back. He's back. Vanderpool is back. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was sticking by Femme last week despite not winning. And I, yeah, I, I think I'm with uh with the way Vanderbilt yeah I, th I think I'm with Michael I think it's a it's a puck Peterson best cyclocross rider in the world for this week well I mean so that that leads us into that leads us into I mean next week what are we expecting I think Wout is playing a little rope a dope he's saying that he's been sick and that he's not on uh, the form that he wants to be last year we saw where maybe he played a little rope a dope and then came in and dropped the boom on boom. Bomb, boom. Anyway, you get what I was trying to do. I'm, I'm not. I'm no Michael Bodeheimer, so I, I can't do that. Is he playing rope a dope? I mean, I just the way Vanderpool was riding. I mean, he was doing the things that Vanderpool does to be successful. These long attacks, like just the technical ability. Uh, he was doing his Bruner impression. I almost forgot to mention that. You know, doing his <laughs> Bruner impression. Like learned a little, a little bit from Eric of just like crashing a lot and still winning races. Like you know, just borrowing a page from that. Uh, disappointed i was really hoping that clam bitchin would do the the pam from the office like corporate needs to to tell us the difference between these two photos it's like 
the same photo. Um, yeah, I mean, what are you guys thinking? I wouldn't be surprised to see Vanderpool after watching that, see him uh, be quite dominant uh, at Amherst. Amherst. Antwerp. Why am I thinking about Amherst? Antwerp. <laughs> Do other sports plant these seeds like this, these, these excuse seeds before events? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I, I feel I like it's like research, in basketball, though. you wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, man, well, man, I'm, no. I'm about ready to basketball. You're not going to be like, yeah, uh, you know, the, the, the nets are really strong. I think they, I think they take us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> our guys, our guys are a little tired. It was a long flight. Oh man. I mean, I, I don't know. We don't know where about that. Like, I mean, it's, it's really hard to guesstimate because like, they haven't done any cross. You can't see them do cross, and cross is very specific. Obviously, look, Wout's going to podium his first time back. Where is he going to be? I don't know. Could be first, could be second. You know, a lot of leeway there in the places that he could be. Um, but are they, when is the next matchup? It's not Bohm. It's Antwerp. Yeah, so it's Antwerp, Zach. and then not until curse period uh, for like, Really is what's shaping up could be one of the most lit curse periods in cyclocross history with with Wout and Machu scheduled to race like five times in like seven days or eight days against each other. Um, but yeah, so they're doing Zach, is it going to be then more Van- lit than a National Lampoon's Christmas tree? <laughs> I have no idea. I I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Vanderpool's doing Val de Soleil. Wout's not. And then I think there's one other one that Wout's going to do. And then I think they're going to be... I don't know. I made the matrix. I made it for you. I made that for you. I don't remember what was on it. Michael, I, I, I made that for you though. Yeah. I put little heads on it. I put little heads. I don't think they're going to be a bum. You're right. Did you see the UCI Instagram story asking all the writers, the first word that came to mind when they heard Val de Sol and, uh, like everybody's like cold snow ice and uh Vanderpool's World Cup mountain bike. <laughs> and then they were like as he's riding away they're like cyclocross. <laughs> what about cyclocross? I was like, "Oh, Vanderpool never change." Yeah. He still cool. got it. He's like, "I still got it." I st- I still don't listen to the Slow Ride podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh we got um uh yeah i guess we got we'll we'll have one more show before u.s nationals anything else we need to cover zach i checked your email so yeah just vanderpool at bohm thank you for the chart antwerp we see vanderpool and wout there are heads they're heads and we don't we don't we we don't see all of them together ever well, Pickock hasn't uh, really oh, you, announced his schedule. Like he's okay. he's playing at Koi. I think he's going to be at uh, Dublin, uh, so uh, he'll be there. Um, but he's I, I, that's why I think it's going to be a work in progress, and why I actually saved the file this year is because I think he's just going to be announcing races that he he chooses to do. Tom Pidcock bringing back the flash mob, the cyclocross flash mob. <laughs> he's just going to tweet out. I'm here. I'm showing up. 2 p.m. Come see me race. Uh, my gosh. It's We've come full circle uh, from asking all of our riders to release their schedules to being like, why don't you just play it up for maximum amount of drama? <laughs> just come full circle in like two years here. So. All right. Cool. Uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll do a nationals preview next week. Plus, talk about some World Cup stuff. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna man, we're gonna have a lot to. We could potentially have a lot to to cram in and a lot to to talk about there. So, I know. Plus, um, yeah, and then record that, and then gotta get in the car and drive to Connecticut. I'm hoping for a not 14 hour trip to Connecticut. So, fingers crossed, Zach. Well, it's closer. It's closer for you than. <laughs> in massachusetts it better not be your flight gets in at 10 on friday night like i don't know how much later that like that can go and i don't know that our host housing is going to be super thrilled to be like hey we're gonna we're gonna show up at like 3 a.m so stay up becky please (laughs) on that note uh we'll see you next time
Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, the Grodio Podcast.